This episode of the Stock Market Movers podcast is brought to you by Calamero St. Heliers. Calamero has been making great pizzas and pastas since 1992. Call 0957-577-87 to place an order or pop in at 59 Long Drive in St. Heliers. Mention the Stock Market Movers podcast and get 10% off. Quality, service and locally owned. Calamero St. Heliers. It is Friday the 20th of September 2019. My name is Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 58 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice and if you're looking for financial advice I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. So this week we've got a good show ahead of us. We're going to be talking Convita, restaurant brands, Kathmandu and Briscoe's. But I'm going to start off in the world of pizza and pasta. You may have noticed that we have a sponsor for the episode, Calamero Pizza. And some of you may have known that I've been looking for a sponsor for the podcast for a while now, but to no avail. So I thought, well, to hell with it, I will sponsor it myself. And I don't have anything to sponsor it myself with, so I went out and bought a business so the podcast could have a sponsor. Actually, well, that's that's obviously not, not quite how it happened, but I did buy a pizza and pasta business called Calamero. I would love for you to head down and order a pizza or a pasta, and as mentioned at the start of the show, I'll offer a discount and hopefully some good stock banter to anyone that wants to come in. So come into 59 Long Drive, St. Heliers, order order something up and we can offer some banter and, and, and give you a discount. So many of you may be asking, what made you buy a pizza business? And to tell you the truth, I actually thought of an approach about it the same way as I would if I was buying a, a company. So I wasn't actively looking. You know, if you'd asked me three months ago if I was going to buy a, a, a pizza business, I, I probably would have questioned your mental state. But if you'd asked me that, you would have been right. So it was, it was obviously a company that I came across. Um, I wasn't looking for it. I came across it. I figured it out. Um, it was a company that I understood. It's got a great reputation in the area that's established in 1992 and the previous owner has had it for 18 years. So it's got a low cost base. Um, it's a pretty simple business. And we felt we were those areas that we could easily grow and hopefully add to profitability. And of course, you know, no, no matter how great it was, we weren't going to pay an infinite price. We, we didn't get a bargain deal, but we paid a fair price for it. So as I mentioned before, we'd love to see you down there. And just before I continue, this maybe <laughs> is going to provide some context to my Uber Eats tirade last week. So we don't currently have Uber Eats. Um, to be honest, I'd, I'd like to avoid it for as long as possible. Um, I'd rather keep my 35%. But I tell you what, I've never got more feedback on an episode than I did that when I spoke about Uber in, in a slightly critical tone. So I guess that sort of anecdotally shows how popular and good the product is because I'm not sure if many people heard me last week but I did actually say it was a good product so I thought I'd better clarify my position I think they've got a great product and service and I do use it myself from time to time I think it's disrupting everything in, in its space and I think all in all it, it it's an excellent service but I'm interested to see what how it changes things and it certainly is changing things it's changing the economics and the way a lot of these businesses are run. And that's not necessarily a bad thing but it's a, it is factual in my opinion. Um, so like everything else there's and leave everything else that changes. I don't think anything is, is black or black and white in the world of investing. So there's going to be good things and bad things that that come from that. So it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But they certainly do have a, a cracking service. So moving away from pizza and on to honey, two topics that are pretty unrelated unless I can 
invent some sort of honey pizza, so watch this space. So Convita, they released their 2019 annual report and financial statements during the week. Convita, for those that do not know, they trade on the NZX under the ticker code CVT. Convita are a Manuka honey company, and they're the sort of company that I'm always rooting for. I'd just love to see a NZX-listed Manuka honey company hit it out of the park. It would just be a, 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 a great story, sort of like how A2 Milk is a, is a great story. I'd love to see something like that with Convita. But I guess one could say that that's not really been the experience for long-term holders. It's it's sort of been like an, an A2 Milk in reverse almost, or even the short-term holders of Convita. They're not... They're not too happy either. So it is actually difficult to remember, but the stock was actually a market darling at one point. And from around the middle of 2015 to the middle of 2016, the stock went from around, say, $4 per share to about $13 per share. And at that time, it was a lot of blue sky, and, and the sky really seemed like the limit. And since that peak over in the middle of 2016, the stock has really been riding that elevator down and perhaps skipping a few floors along the way as well. So today it trades for less than $3 a share, I think $2.70 last time I looked. They've paid a sporadic dividend since 2016, I think a couple of times. I think the total across all the dividend payments was around $0.08 per share. So that really hasn't softened the blow for shareholders and just don't think they'll be paying a dividend in, in a while, just looking at the cash flow statement, I could be wrong. So how how did, how did the picture look in 2016 when the stock peaked? Well, for the financial year ending 30th of June 2016, the, the company delivered revenue of $231 million, which is a huge jump on the $152 million the year before. And the, the company also delivered a net profit of $18.5 million, which was an, 80, 80, an 80% increase on the year before. So at that time, the market was valuing the company at around $600 million or on a price-to-earnings ratio of 33 times, which, if you invert as, as an earnings yield, is around 3%. So it, it's difficult to say how much, but it's fair to say at that stage that the market was the market valuation was anticipating some, some sort of growth. So if you fast-forward to 2019, revenue is coming at $171 million, which is a $7 million drop in 2018. There's been a big margin decrease on, on, on the on the top line in terms of cost of sales increasing. There's been an operating loss, so an op- operating loss of $3.2 million. That's always concerning um, compared to an operating profit of $13 million in 2008. And then they've got $6.6 million of finance, finance expenses on top. And I'll come back to that in a minute. And then there's a non-cash goodwill impairment of nearly $20 million. Um, so that's telling you it's been a tough old time for the company. And to me, I, and I'm no accountant, but it, it looks like the company has too much debt, it's just under $100 million. It seems too much debt for me. And the cash flow picture does look a bit brighter. They generated $21 million from operating activities, which is not bad considering the inventory actually increased during the year. But the company is having to sink plenty into capital expenditures which at the moment doesn't seem to be delivering them in return, and it seems to be eating into cash flow, which so it'll be interesting to see what comes from this. For me, the debt is scary, um, $100 million. You know, I, I know there is a lot of assets on the balance sheet, but at the end of the day, the serviceability of that debt will come down to cash flows. So that is something to look out for. Um, actually, I know it's... It's easy to sort of criticise the company, but I think the market got the valuation wrong back in 2016, and oftentimes the the market valuation has little to do with the company as as we know. Um, I know management probably haven't covered themselves in 
glory, but I also know the honey space is pretty hard. There's a really good documentary um, on honey, actually, on Netflix. I think it's called Dirty Money, one of those one of those episodes. It's certainly worth a watch. A lot of it seems to be just, um, I guess, US producers crime protectionism and trying to protect their industry, but there it, it, it just shows how competitive and difficult it is. But as I said at the start, you know, I would love to see a, a company like Convita just hit it out of the park. So watch that space. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So from pizzas to honey and back to pizzas again. Restaurant brands, they delivered their second, well, announced their second quarter sales um, during the week. Restaurant brands, they trade in the NZX under the ticket code RBD. And it's been a, a pretty good run from restaurant brands. You remember that most of the company was bought um, a while back for I think it was around $9.50 a share. I might be slightly wrong with those numbers. And the stock today, it's continuing on a good run and it's 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 been a fantastic run. Um, and the stock trades at you know over eleven dollars a share now. Now the it's interesting that the valuation in, in my view seems relatively stretched for the company, and the market is is certainly and especially when I go through an announcement before because it's it's not really priced in for. It's priced in for a, a, a lot of growth, and the growth is in my view and is in the low single digits, which. You know, isn't isn't really hitting it out of the park. But then at the same time, I guess restaurant brands, you know, your KFCs, your Pizza Huts, and everything like that. It's hard not to imagine those continuing for a long time into the future. So I guess that's potentially what the market is 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 pricing and is that consistency over a long period of time and consistencies. I would say, and it might actually be a better time for these businesses, is when the economy slows down as well. I mean, these businesses remain consistent during those times. So restaurant brands, total sales for the quarter of the financial year, that's the 16th week, 16 weeks to the 9th of September, were $259.7 million. That's an increase of $8.8 million or 3.5% on the equivalent period of last year. So that's what I mean. It's not, it's not get out of your seat type growth even though it might be a, a get out of your seat type stock price so there's some good same store sales growth there though so really good same store sales growth so 5.4 percent in new zealand 5.8 percent in australia and at 9.6 percent in hawaii so shows that on we're still eating more fast food pretty much um, which you could say bodes, bodes well for me. Um, so New Zealand operation sales were 134 million, up 1.5 percent. Um, they sold Starbucks and the Starbucks coffee business in October 2018. So up 5.4 percent on the same store basis. So same store basis for any retail restaurants and everything like that is the key metric. KFC produced sales of 62 million, so half, about just under half of their sales were from KFC, up 5.8 percent. Hawaiian operations were 62.9 million, this is all New Zealand dollars, up 6.4% on a total basis and 9.6% on the same store basis. So when sales increase less than the same store basis, that typically shows you that they've been that they've either been introducing new stores that have been draining sales, or no, in fact, that doesn't mean that. They've actually just been closing stores pretty much. So that shows you that they've probably been closing stores. Um, Year-to-date sales were $442 million, which is an increase of 2.7% on, on the prior year. So, you know, it, it, it's not 
ridiculous growth, even though the, the share price is, is maybe is, is getting away a bit. But I guess you could say it's consistent growth and it's probably going to be long-term growth where it's certainly going to be around in the long term, you know, despite what you hear about healthy eating and, and everything like that. These people are, are still eating fast food. So company store numbers were down by 20 on the equivalent period last year to 285, primarily from the sales of 22 Starbucks stores in October. So KFC New Zealand, let's talk about that. So second quarter sales for KFC New Zealand were 113 million, increase of 8.8% um, on the prior year and 6.1% on the same store basis. Year-to-date sales for KFC were 193.5 million, an increase of 7.9% and 5.7% on the same store sales basis. So what you're seeing there is sales, same total sales increasing because they're opening new stores and 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 same store sales increasing by a lesser amount. So the difference there is the fact that they're opening new stores. So store numbers remain constant through the quarter. So Pizza Hut New Zealand, second quarter sales for Pizza Hut stores were 10.6 million. They've really got to watch out for a new new competitor in town now. Um, but anyway, that's a decrease of 5.9% on the equivalent period last year. So we have to go back and check the stock price on Monday. So we'll see if there's a if there's a noticeable impact from Calamero St. Helias, but we'll come back to that. Um, restaurant brands' own store numbers decreased by one during the quarter and were up by one from last year to 30. So, you know, interesting there. Carl's Jr., they own that as well. So second quarter were 10.7 million. It's interesting when you think about it that the sales were for Carl's Jr. is actually bigger than Pizza Hut now, which is, I guess, staggering if you grew up with Pizza Hut like, like I did. It increased by 8.3% on the equivalent period last year following the introduction of delivery via Uber Eats. That's that name again. Maybe I should think about it. Same store sales for the quarter up 8.2%. So they're not really opening any new stores in, in that respect from Carl's Jr. Year-to-date sales for Carl's Jr. were 19 million, 8.8% increase on a total basis. And there's 18 Carl's Juniors now. So the, the Carl's Jr. seems to be a thing that's progressing along. Um, KFC Australia, 58 million, um, 5.8% increase on the same store basis. Taco Bell Hawaii, and there's been talk of them opening a Taco Bell in New Zealand. I remember them announcing it a little while ago. I think I think I did a podcast episode on on the Taco Bell. So sales for the second quarter were twenty five million. Um, that's US dollars, on the back of several successful promotions. So I've I've been reading a bit about Taco Bell, and I know this has been something that is 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 been pumping overseas as well so an increase of 11.1% on the total basis and 14.5% on the same store basis those are phenomenal same store numbers hopefully I can replicate those so year-to-date sales of Taco Bell were 42.4 million an increase of 9.8% on a total basis and 13.7% on a same store basis so again that's phenomenal Pizza Hut Hawaii, so sixteen point two million there, flat on the fry on the prior on the fryer. I'm thinking thinking pizzas. Flat on the prior year on a total basis and up two point two percent on the same store basis. So yesterday Pizza Hut Hawaii sales were twenty twenty eight point five million, an increase of point one percent. So they're pretty much flat over the year. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see the. In, in my view, the interesting thing with restaurant brands is is the stock price. It's obviously a great company. Um, some of those same store numbers there were particularly impressive. So the interesting thing from 
restaurant brands, I think, is, is where, the, where the valuation is relative to what the company can actually produce. And I know it's a company that's going to keep on producing for a long time into the future. So in the same time, I wouldn't be surprised to see continued performance. But it'd be interesting, interesting to see if there are any hiccups, and there's always hiccups in business, what happens to that share price. It'll be one to follow. So we'll finish off, we'll move away from pizzas again and then we'll we'll finish off the episode with conversation about you know two of New Zealand's largest and most significant retailers. The first being Katmandu. They trade on the NZX and on the ASX under the ticker code KMD. They released their full year annual results. Um, and the numbers came look just on the surface to be to be pretty good. Um, so reading through the announcement here, so Summit Club members up 12.4% to 2.2 million. That seems to be a, a staggering number. I'll be curious to see the breakdown there between, say, New Zealand and Australia, because obviously I doubt they have 2.2 million members in, in New Zealand because then literally every adult member would be a, a Summit Club member. I think also interesting from that perspective as well would be how many of those summit club members are actually active members um i'm i'm a member of summit club for example from when last time i bought something at Kathmandu, but i probably haven't bought something at Kathmandu for the last year so how useful am i as a summit club member i'm not sure but it's certainly good to see those numbers increasing by 12.4 percent so sales are up 9.7 percent to 545 million so that that's pretty good growth in fact, that's that's excellent growth for a company like Kathmandu. Same store sales, 0.6% at constant exchange rates with Australia up 2.7%. Oboes, which is that shoe brand they bought. And I remember watching a um, presentation at the Shareholders Association from the CEO and I really liked the way that they did that acquisition. It seemed like it wasn't something that they were necessarily planning on, but they were a big supplier of the Oboes brand, and the Oboes brand was a, f- a founder-led company who was looking to retire, I think, from memory, and they sat down with the founder at, at I th- I'm pretty sure at his instigation, and just sat around the table and came up with a price. So uh, it, it seems like, in terms of acquisitions, it, it must have been something that they were, a company that were very familiar with, and it must have been, and I'm not surprised to see it successful. And they described it as rapid sales growth in the announcement, up 30% to 44.6 million. So that's actually, you know, that that's actually a, a decent chunk of their sales now. You know, it's approaching 10%. And if it keeps growing at anywhere near 30% a year, it's going to become even more significant. So, you know, it, it's been an excellent acquisition there, it's, it's fair to say. So online sales up 9.2% at a constant exchange rates to 48.4 million. So comprising 10.1% of direct consumer sales. So interesting to see how significant online sales can become for for Kathmandu. Um I don't obviously it will never be a hundred percent, but it'll be interesting to see how 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 big that that can become. And I think owning brands like Obos and owning the Kathmandu brand that you can only get there. I'm not sure about Obos actually, but definitely Kathmandu you can only buy in Kathmandu. I think that is a competitive advantage for a company in the sense that people have to go to the website to buy that brand. So anything that you see them do that strengthens their brand or, or strengthens their unique offerings, I think is going to be beneficial. Similar to how we talked about Michael Hill Jeweler a little while back, it's going to be beneficial to Kathmandu. 
So EBIT, earnings before interest and tax up 12.7% to 84.3 million, and net profit after tax up 13.6% to 57.6 million. So, you know, all in all, it's it's pretty good. They're paying a dividend again. New Zealand, 12 cents a share. Um, record, high, record high payout for the year of 16 cents per share, which is pretty good going. You have to be satisfied with that as a Kathmandu shareholder. Um, I was fairly critical of the company last time. I, well, not critical. Critical is the wrong word. I don't think I've been critical of Kathmandu. But I think I was had some questions last time regarding what, why viewed as a rapid inventory build-up. And they seem to have got that under control anyway. So inventory was $122 million for the year, which is up from $111 million from the prior year. And at that Shareholders Association meeting, the CEO said a similar thing. It was actually the first thing he said. He was, he was prepped for my question, apparently. And the first thing he said was, we know we've got too much stock, as in too much inventory. So he dealt with that straight away. Um Interest bearing liabilities, so debt debt dropped throughout the year, so from thirty nine point five million to to twenty five point five million, so a significant drop in debt there. So an improvement, all in all, I would say a strengthening of the balance sheet, along with some good growth. So definitely, a, in my view, on the numbers basis, a pretty good year for Kathmandu. So moving on to a company that's related to Kathmandu, related because they own twenty percent of it, and that's Briscoes. Um, I've spoken about them a lot on the podcast. I think they're probably my favourite retailer in New Zealand from an investment perspective anyway. Um, And I just did some numbers before the show today just to get you an idea of how well they performed as a company. So... They've they had about they've got about sixty million of shareholder capital in the business. So that's sixty million dollars, I guess you could say, of investment starting off in the business. And now they've got equity of two hundred and forty five million in the most recent half year accounts which came out. So, you know, that's that's a pretty decent jump over a long period of time. So in two thousand and nine, for example, they had equity of hundred and twenty one million and that's pretty Increased pretty consistently over the years. So, 131 million in 2011, 140 million in 2014, 164 million in in 2016, 248 in 2018. So, they really have delivered from that point of view in terms of retained earnings. But not only have they retained earnings, so in the last 10 years, and we haven't had the full year dividend yet for 2019, but the last 10 years, They've paid out two hundred and ninety-two million in dividends to shareholders, so it's been a fantastic performer. It really has, from a business perspective. You know, the stock always hasn't hasn't always, you know, delivered in the same way because of the tough retail space. But it, it certainly has been a, a great stock. So let's look at the half-year results now. Um, total revenue up three point three percent for the half year to just over three hundred million. So. It, a small change there. We're talking about same store sales before in terms of growth. You're not really going to get the same top line growth as perhaps some other companies in in the retail space because they're not necessarily expanding as an opening new stores. So most of that three point three percent, and I'll find out as I as I read on here, I imagine is same store sales growth. So net profit that decreased by three point six percent. I wonder if that's because I think the operating environment in terms from a cost perspective is becoming a little bit higher for their retailers these retailers with wages going up and competition and everything like that. It might be hurting 
guaranteed margin. So net profit decreased 3.6% to 28.2 million. Dividend, interim dividends, 8.5 cents per share um, payment on 8th of October. So another dividend from them pretty much. Pretty much. So same store sales, as I, as I said, most of that 2.7% was most of that 3.3% growth. Gross profit of... 122 million up 2.4% so they're able to actually increase their margin there which is nice um so yes a, a pretty good another pretty good result from Briscoe is all in all they just keep on getting it done they've got a majority shareholder who's still involved heavily in the company so I guess it's his little baby um it's it's I, I think in all in all it's a it's a seriously good company. I guess the question is, well, no, I, I rephrase that. It's been a seriously good company in the past, that's for sure. So I guess the question as investors looking forward is, aside from what you think of the valuation today, is whether it's going to continue to be able to deliver the, I guess, the performance that it has in the past and the future. I think it'll be challenging on a percentage basis to deliver the same performance in the future as they have in the past. The reason I say that is they Briscoe's and Rebel Sport, you know, I think they've apart from I guess improvements and gradual expansion with population growth in new cities and 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 larger towns and everything like that. It they've sort of and they may disagree and I'm probably wrong, but I imagine they've 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 grown everywhere that they're going to grow in New Zealand on and, and most of most of where they're gonna be in New Zealand. So then it's just about optimization and the same store sales growth. That is unless they find another avenue of growth or maybe they buy a a, a third chain to add to the Briscoes and the Rebel Sport brand. I mean, Duke, Duke has spoke about in that in the past, and they've certainly tried that with the living and giving, maybe a little bit unsuccessfully. Um, they did certainly tried to do that in a big way when they tried to buy Kathmandu a few years ago. I really do, and I've spoken about this before, I believe. I really do admire that they were able to to step back from the Kathmandu deal. They bought twenty percent, made the takeover offer. And it, it it got sort of pushed back by the by the shareholders of Kathmandu, so I do admire that it would have been tempting for a lot of CEOs and a lot of businesses in that phase just to up the offer to to get the deal done. But they were they were satisfied to have twenty percent and they stepped back from the deal. So it shows that I think that's what you've got when you've got a good operator like like Rod Duke is, who's prepared to. You know, when he's investing, he's investing his own money as well. I guess um, I imagine that's the view that he's taking, and he's not prepared to overpay for a company, and rather have twenty percent at a good price than the whole thing at a at perhaps a higher price. So I, I do, I really do admire that sort of capital allocation decision there. So another good result from Briscoes. You know, they're not going to, you know, you're not going to hit it out of the park from a growth perspective. But I certainly do think they're a good company. Right, well, well, just before I go, I'll be, I'll be to give Calamero one last plug. Don't worry, I won't be talking you to death about it like this in future episodes, although it will remain the, the sponsor going forward. So we do have a website called calamero.co.nz where you can go find out more information. The website is a bit old and tired, and we will be updating it in the future and integrating online ordering and everything like that as well. You can find us on Facebook by searching Calamero and also on Instagram as well, so definitely follow us on there. Um, thanks again for listening to the podcast. 
A reminder that nothing that I said today should be considered financial advice, although I am giving you advice to go buy pizza and pasta from Calamero. Last time, I promise. If you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to www.stockmarketmovers.co.nz, like it on Facebook, and share it with your friends. If you want to email me, it is jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is Jeremy Medlin, and this has been episode 58 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Friday the 20th of September 2019 even. We'll see you all again next week.